We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Halloween, October 31st, 2022, as we bring you a new episode. The World Series now heads to Philadelphia as the Phillies and Houston Astros are tied one game apiece. Commissioner Rob Manfred in his World Series press conference provided updates on the situations in Oakland and Tampa. It so happens that one of these markets is likely to keep their Major League Baseball team while the other should expect a move soon. We'll talk about those topics later in the show, but the Chicago White Sox are still without a manager. But we do know who won't be the next manager. Joining me to discuss is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com, it's Jim Margulis, and Jim, it's Halloween. What kind of candy are you passing out to the kiddos? We got the assorted grab bag from Costco. So you got your Snickers, you got your Milky Ways, you got your Twix, you got your Three Musketeers, you got your York Peppermint Patties. I think there's Almond Joy in there. Not too many, but a few. But I think that seemed to be the most suitable. How about you? We, uh, we went with two bags. So we bought a bag of Take 5 because that's one of our favorites. And then we bought like the Snickers Twix bag, but they're green. So inside it's green Mm. to be spooky. And I'm hoping the kids like it because we pretty much ate all the Take 5. So the Take 5s are not available (laughs) for Halloween. So we're just left with the uh, green looking uh, Twix and Snickers and... I hope they enjoy because that's what they're getting when they stop by at our house. And I assume you've uh, filled your candy with razor blades is the, of course. uh, Yeah. The, 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 it's not even urban legend. It's true. Every other house has it. Yeah. And we are that house this year. It it passes off every other year. Yeah. Cause you know, I want to put that much effort into passing out candy is to sneak things into candy bars. Yep. That, I mean, that's Ridiculous. why I went to Costco and got like six different kinds of candy in one bag just because I didn't want to think. <laughs> Do you just let them grab? Yeah, we didn't get too many last year. So like chances are we could be sticking with the candy. But the nice thing is neighbors down the street have a 
uh, fire going on in their front yard. And so we just all bring up chairs. And if anybody in the neighborhood's around, they just stop by the yard and one-stop shopping for candy. Heck yeah. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, the York Peppermint Patty, that's a unique Halloween candy. I haven't seen that often. But for those that will be walking around with their kids on Halloween getting candy, I hope you have a very fun time. We got some news over the weekend about the Chicago White Sox managerial search. Now, weeks ago, we provided our wish list of candidates. I had Joe Espada as my number one. Jim had Matt Quintero of the Tampa Bay Rays. Neither will be the White Sox manager. That's because MLB.com Scott Merkin reported that Espada was ruled out as the next White Sox manager on Saturday night. If you recall, there was rumors and gossip about this happening a week ago, but now it's officially official. Quatrero on Sunday will be the next manager of the Kansas City Royals, first reported by ESPN's Jeff Hassan. So, Jim, the White Sox didn't land either of our number one picks. Did they miss out on the best available managerial candidates? Not necessarily. I, I think... The Espada one is interesting, especially since Quicharo got hired and, and Quicharo, I have to like train my mouth in order to say. And so that's one benefit of the White Sox not hiring him is that I don't have to do the calisthenics necessary to get that name out of my mouth, which for some reason, uh, you know, I had to basically, it's, it's basically my vocal warm up. Quicharo, Quicharo, Quicharo. Yeah, it's uh, when, when reading the reaction to the Royals hiring him, it made me wonder just if the White Sox could not afford to give the job that they have in such a high leverage situation to a guy who has never played in the big leagues. And I think Espada would be the same thing. That's that's why I also haven't really uh, considered Justin Jershley a serious candidate for any White Sox job that's currently uh, in the shape that it's in, just because, you know, there is like Jace Tingler ran into some authority issues with the Padres. It's happened before to where just if, if you don't have the major league experience and you're brought in and like, I think if there's any semblance of a, a, a scent that, uh, you know, a player thinks that they're mainly a puppet for the front office or like installed versus somebody with actual authority, it seems like they can be more or less, you know, overthrown. So I think when it came to Espada Quattraro, I thought like, I like their skill sets. I like what they're, what people have said about them. I, I like the organizations that they've come from, especially since uh, 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 Espada postates the whole Astros thing to where like he doesn't have that stink on him. But I could understand if the White Sox didn't want to hire somebody who just might be considered, you know, that kind of manager. And I think the Royals like hiring Quattraro I think it's fine for them because they can afford in their current timetable to swing and miss on a manager. They, they can't do it twice, but like if it's like a year and a half in, they realize this guy isn't working out. They still have time on their side. They still have like a mostly young lineup. They, yeah, I think their pitching is still on the way so they can afford to take this chance. I don't think the white Sox could afford to take a chance. So I think they have to have somebody I think who has, you know, maybe more major league, major league bona fides that uh, Espada uh, and Quattaro did not have. So that's kind of my read on it at this point. But, you know, it, I, I'm certainly intrigued by what the Royals have done because, uh, you know, he was number one on my list. And I always like following guys who, you know, and I do it every offseason too. Like I, I round up my most interesting players, interesting personnel for either teams because I thought the White Sox could have signed him or thought it was like a path the White Sox could have chosen. And certainly the Royals have followed that path for me. 
The White Sox are now the last team in Major League Baseball without a manager. Are they? I really... <laughs> <laughs> I really did think that Joe Espada Jim would be a manager in 2023, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, especially if Dusty Baker returns to the Astros after this season. That's a surprise to me. But based on reporting and speculation, the White Sox job could come down to two candidates, the Philadelphia Phillies hitting coach Kevin Long or ex-White Sox manager turned television personality Ozzie Guillen. Quite the trick-or-treat situation for White Sox fans, and who could be the next manager, Jim? One's filled with razor blades. <laughs> I put it out to a Twitter poll. Again, give it another shot, and if you follow me on Twitter, at SoxMachine underscore Josh, you could have participated, or follow us on Twitter, at SoxMachine, asking who do you want to be the next White Sox manager between Ozzie Guillen and Kevin Long. And almost 1,400 votes, Kevin Long got more than 65% of the vote. Are you surprised by that percentage difference between Kevin Long and Ozzie Guillen? And Long, somebody that White Sox fans may have not known who he was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, pleasantly, uh, given the results of the last poll. It's interesting, interesting though, with, you know, previous, uh, with my previous theory about major league experience that Kevin Long also did not make the majors, but he's also looking it up 55 years old and he's been the coaching ranks for a long time. And I, I think he probably has enough major league players uh, who will speak well of him, like of all kinds, given the teams that, you know, the markets he's been in, the hitters he's helped to where like maybe he doesn't have that credibility issue uh, compared to somebody like an Espada who's, you know, been riding uh, shotgun under, you know, guys, especially like Dusty Baker, who probably ha there, there's no manager with more credibility among players, I'm guessing, than Dusty Baker, just in terms of being one of them. That's a good point. Yeah, my... And with this situation right now, my head wants to believe the White Sox are waiting after the World Series to announce Kevin Long, which would be a surprising hiring, honestly, since the process began, because Kevin Long wasn't on anyone's radar. And maybe that was someone that the White Sox had high on their list that they were going to pursue this entire time because they're trying to keep it as close to the chest as possible. What is not keeping close to the chest, and this is not a surprise, is the information coming out of Ozzie Guillen's camp. You got people from NBC Sports Chicago reporting this. We know his family uh, gets an opportunity to reach out to media outlets and leak information. So we have, that's the information that we do have, is how the process worked for Ozzie Guillen. And it would be surprising based on what happened during Total Russus hiring, but also not surprising because Jerry Reinsdorf is still injecting himself into baseball operation decisions. And honestly, Jim, that's still the biggest problem for me when it comes to the White Sox. Like, the hiring of Ozzy would not be a, I'm here for a long time. I'm here for a fun time. You know, he would be here to make the most out of the 2023 season trying to light a spark within the core players to meet or exceed expectations. If he fails in 2023 in that attempt, the White Sox are probably looking at another rebuild in 2024. And honestly, does Ozzy even want to be part of a teardown? That would put him in a similar position that Rick Retoria was in. Mm -hmm. And then you got Kevin Long, who has never managed the majors, as you mentioned, and getting a chance to speak with people who are in Houston covering the World Series 
from their interactions with Lon, it's it's very clear to them that he wants to be a manager and he's ready to be a manager. The Phillies hitters love working with them and his teams have always hit wherever he's been and he's got two World Series reigns as a hitting coach, but we have no idea if he's going to be a good manager. So you got inexperienced Kevin Lawn and been out of coaching in the majors for a decade, Ozzy Guillen. That doesn't seem like a terrific situation to pick a manager from, but maybe it could work, Jim. Yeah, it, it's certainly unusual, and that's why I talk about like high-leverage hiring situations. Like This is a case where it would almost feel if they were replacing Rick Renteria and, you know, after the 2020 season, or maybe even after like the 2019 season, if they somehow decide like, he's not our guy going forward. We're going to, you know, maybe we're a year ahead of schedule with this hire, whoever hiring next, but we want to, you know, we have a golden opportunity here. Let's take a chance. Like he feels like that guy just, you know, why the hell not? You know, in a way that, you know, it reminds me, I think we talked about before, like when the NFL team hires the hot offensive coordinator to, uh, lead a team and you know with the bears being the most uh you know prominent example for probably a healthy percentage of our listenership that you know that's sending chills down the spines uh thinking about uh you know offensive gurus like matt Nagy and mark tressman but you know it does seem like a little bit like that the thing i don't know about long you know i can i can see going either way is that you know given his uh breadth of experience and the you know, number of teams he's coached for and the number of successful teams he's coached for is what kind of staff could he put together? Like who are his guys? Like there's a chance that like he he's been around other great coaches and he has an idea of what that means to put that kind of staff together. So yeah, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because I still have like, you know, my, my defense mechanism saying like Ozzy's going to be the one hired and I have to, uh, you know, basically try to, try to swallow that even though like, uh you know it's funny like he's been in some of the off-season plans and just like he would store the fire and the passion and like where was that fire and passion in 2011 when he was giving you know adam dunn and alex rios and juan pierre 1777 plate appearances to be the three worst regular players on the team and just did not care to solve that problem like where was that you know citation needed but you know long feels like it's yeah i wish it weren't between long and Guillen to where like i i feel like you know Long doesn't feel like the default choice. I wish it were somebody like Ron Washington, you know, like the credible uh, veteran presence or like Freddie Gonzalez, like another, you know, he's done it before. He's done it well. He's done it poorly. He's, uh, you know, had some time to regroup and work in a different organization, maybe get a second wind, second run at it, uh, see how a different organization does it. Uh, but unfortunately, it feels like it's between, like you said, just another Tony La Russa mistake, you know, maybe not at that level because you don't have the age thing, but you also have just, you know, the, out of the game and perhaps out of touch. And then you have the guy who's never done before. And also there aren't a whole lot of archetypes like this, where the hitting coach becomes a manager, especially one who doesn't have major league experience, you know, as a player. So I really don't know what to make of him being the favorite. Um, so that's, that's a case where like, I'd be fascinated, fun to write about, fun to follow. I don't know if it's the best for the team, but at least it does attempt to, you know, we talk about super solving problems. Like I think if you have an offense and you try to make like one of the game's best hitting coaches, the manager that kind of counts as trying to super solve the problem, at least the coaching level. We just have to learn if hitting coaches can actually solve the problems that the white Sox have. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of questions on how he's going to handle pitching 
staff and how he's going to handle in-game decisions and yeah is he uh, willing to work with deep the cats there would be a lot of questions and maybe we shouldn't discount the idea that ron washington's still in the running or freddie gonzalez or of anyone else because we're not getting a whole lot of information but at this stage with the white Sox being the last team without a manager i don't know if they're getting their number one guy I, that's that's my concern. Like at the very beginning of this process, if if manager is extremely important to the 2023 White Sox, I figured they would be a bit more aggressive. I figured they wouldn't rule anyone out until they just announced the hiring. But they have ruled out Joe Espada, and other top edge coaches have already gotten jobs. And all we're hearing about is the Philly City coach, Kevin Long, and Ozzie Guillen. And we got a lot of insight on the hiring process with Ozzie Guillen. And boy, that sounds very familiar to the hiring process of Tony La Russa. So that's why a lot of us are believing that the gut says that Ozzie Guillen's going to be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox, which that would be a circus if that happens, and it will draw all sorts of attention. I'm not quite sure if it's all good attention, but it would draw a lot of attention uh, throughout Major League Baseball. But it's just duplicating what you did before by bringing Tony La Russa out of retirement a decade away from managing the game back into the clubhouse. Yeah. Ozzy a decade away, and now you're pulling him out of the TV booth uh, to, to come back and manage. Then again... Bookshot Walter was pulled out of the TV booth and it, it worked out pretty well this year for the Mets. Yeah, it just, you know, I'm probably going to, I'm trying to figure out like how much energy to invest in the whole Ozzy thing. Like, I don't want to write screeds. Like, I was kind of done writing about him in 2012. Like, just, you know, and we should be allowed to leave that in the past. You know, just good times, bad times, but really unprofessional times at the end that should shatter any faith in him actually seeing a job through with professionalism the next time around. Like, that's you know, how I look at it, especially when managerial jobs are so scarce that so many people want them and so many people want second chances. Like, I don't get what he did to deserve a second chance, given that he you know, blew through two chances that he had and two very good opportunities. So I just want to be done with it. Like, yeah, that's the problem with the White Sox. So it's like, I want to enjoy him as a booth, but like he's as, as like a TV booth or, you know, studio personality, but he just hovers over everything. And with the White Sox, they don't ever eliminate people who have ever worked for them. Like you can't, you can't let your guard down. Like you can't say that Ozzy will never manage again because he very well could. And it's, uh, it's rough. But like one of the things I wondered, you know, about with Ozzy and just thinking about that is like, you know, being out of the game for 10 years, but also like think about the White Sox teams they managed. They got like a thousand innings out of their starting pitchers. Now they don't have a guy who's giving them 200 innings. Like one guy, he used to get like four to five of those performances. Mm -hmm. And now you know, he's lucky to get one. We don't know Ozzy in this game. Like we don't, we, we hear him complaining about the game. Like we hear what he doesn't like. It's kind of like John Smoltz in a way. Like we hear that he doesn't care about exit velocity, which isn't necessarily good or, you know, encouraging. And, you know, we hear about like fire and passion, which, you know, I think is very dubious, as I mentioned, but like, just when it comes to like the teams he managed, like that era has closed of that kind of one through five starting pitching that he, you know, leaned on so heavily and simplified his bullpen decisions dramatically. Like this is like, we don't know how he would handle an opener. We don't know how he would, like, would he care enough to figure it out? 
we saw him really just drop the ball or walk away from the ball on problem solving simpler problems at the end of his White Sox tenure. So like if he has to try to stitch together nine innings three days in a row from pitchers who aren't likely to go four, you know, is he going to do that? Or is he going to throw players on the bus and say like, well, this is, you know, uh, this is not the way I play baseball. So we're going to have to make a mess of it. So that's, that's why like, I don't quite get the fascination aside from the just simple fact that he won it in 2005 and he's entertaining. It's, it's the whole Mike Ditka thing with the Chicago bears. Yeah. Just bring back Ditka. I was going to say like with Ron Washington, I had that thought cross my mind is like, is Washington actually out as I was saying that? So I guess, you know, with the White Sox having, you know, dozens on their search committee and, you know, basically making it so that you know, we can't place blame on any one figure because they can all deflect it off each other um, in a way that just minimizes the heat. But, you know, it could be a case where, you know, we only hear about one guy's candidates and we don't hear about the other. So this is the White Sox. This is the White Sox. The earliest of the White Sox are going to wait until after the World Series to announce a new manager would be November 3rd. Because uh, the next three games of the World Series are on October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd in Philadelphia. And then November 3rd is the next day off. After the 3rd, the next day would be November 6th or November 7th, which is a Monday. And that is a key week because the GM meetings begin in Las Vegas that week. Uh, I would assume the White Sox would like to announce that they have a new manager in place before Rick Hahn has to head to Las Vegas to get what the rules are going to be in the offseason. And then things are really moving with the offseason. Remember, within 10 days of the regular season ending or the season ending with the last game of the World Series, there are some key decisions to be made on club options and player options and qualifying offers throughout Major League Baseball. And a lot of this news is going to be reported out of Las Vegas. I know we've been talking about this for more than a month. We know that this was going to be on the radar ever since Tony La Russa announced his second retirement. Hopefully this will come to a close and we will finally have resolution on who will be the next White Sox manager. I know we are all antsy to learn who it is soon. Soon enough we will know and then we'll know if we should blame our guts uh, for the way that we feel depending on how the news is announced. But there's more to talk about as Rob Manfred provided some insight on the situations in Oakland and Tampa and the World Series, again, heads to Philadelphia. We'll talk about these topics after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something most of us can do every single day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier to get it with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home Every day, no fancy equipment is required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses. It's a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or new to a specialty coffee and maybe need some help like I did as I was brand new in trying different varieties of coffee, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make your coffee at home. We have a Keurig at home with a special filter that I can use ground beans. The latest bag I've been enjoying is this Ethiopian blend from Roaster Congregation out of New Orleans. This blend has a caffeine kick that I enjoy with a hint of blueberries and cherries, which is a nice touch. It's part of our Socks Machine coffee collection on Trade. So whether you're just getting started or your body doesn't function until you have a cup of coffee... Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash machine. That's drinktrade.com slash machine for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. At Houston, Commissioner Rob Manfred spoke to the media. He told everyone that the runner on second base to start extra innings would stay in place as far as that rule. We joke it and call it the Manfred Man rule. During the regular season only, the postseason would not have this rule. Then there were questions about Oakland and Tampa. When it comes to the situation in Oakland for the Athletics, Rob Manfred said that a new stadium plan, quote, doesn't look like it's going to happen, end quote. And he now expects the Athletics to move to Las Vegas. For Tampa, different story. There's hope the Rays will stay in the area with a new downtown stadium in Tampa, moving away from St. Petersburg. For those hoping that the Montreal Expos will return, well, it might have to be an expansion team instead of the Rays moving to Canada. So, Jim, when the commissioner has lost hope on Oakland putting together a realistic stadium plan, it just feels like a matter of time that the A's move to Vegas, right? This does uh, seem like the strongest move yet. You know, there's been a whole lot of illusions and veiled threats, but this seems to drop the veil. So I think, yeah, uh, it's kind of getting there. And I think, you know, Oakland is proven to be relatively immune to pressures like they had the uh you know stadium situation with the golden state warriors that they let san francisco take that on and i think the mayor uh has uh, escaped that relatively unscathed and you know which he should you know like it's a case where it is uh, uh proven to be a bad use of public funds and it's unfortunate for you know oakland fans although like the with the way the uh uh, Oakland ownership has treated those fans. Perhaps it's a case where it is the best thing for them to not have to, you know, emotionally care and put money into a, a, an ownership group that, you know, really does not care one thing about them. But yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly looking that way. I am curious to like, just know what kind of money Las Vegas has. Cause they put a lot of money into stadiums as of late. And the uh, Raiders stadium was a boondoggle, I think, right. In terms of financing and such so i'm not quite sure you know what money is available there i mean i imagine there's some but i just you know i'm curious 
Vegas has got the money. They'll find money to make this stadium happen. That's just how Vegas works. Yeah. But I know that the Raiders one didn't go well. No, it's none of these stadiums go well. In your backyard, the Tennessee Titans are going to get a new stadium, it sounds like. Yeah, in my zip code, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I don't care for it too much, but yeah, it's, so I can admire like the, the Oakland situation, even though like I like Oakland as a market we've talked about before. Like I enjoy watching games there. I enjoy the fan base. It's a unique mm-hmm. uh, flavor to the sport. Maybe, you know, like Las Vegas has been a, a certainly uh, an interesting presence or a, a distinguished presence for the NHL. Like, yeah, I know that they're a, a favorite place for, you know, writers to go to, but also just like the they're surprised by how well the crowd has taken to NHL. So perhaps it could be a lively market for baseball in a surprising way. I just, I'm curious about like 82 dates uh, or 81 dates versus uh, 41 when it comes to like, you know, and 35,000 seats versus 20,000, uh, the kind of demand on an everyday basis and season ticket basis for, uh, you know, major league baseball in Las Vegas. I think they will do very well on the weekends drawing opposing fans. I will say that. <laughs> I think they would they would do well. I don't know how they would do during the midweek, but weekends. Season ticket I, bases. I mean, I think I could see a lot of the hotels and resorts buying season mm. tickets and then giving those tickets away for platinum or whatever reward tiers that they have to their top customers as, hey, you're in town. Here's some tickets to the uh, baseball game. Go enjoy watching the Vegas Athletics or whatever they rename the team to. That I could see happening. Okay, yeah. They would do well on the weekends. I don't know how they would do midweek. You could say that a lot about a lot of markets, though. But, uh, you know, watching the you know these uh, sagas in slow motion, though, like it should hearten anybody who is like afraid the White Sox will move that uh, it's going to be really hard to ever move the White Sox. That is true. According to their lease agreement with the state of Illinois, they had to opt into their second to last four year lease on the original agreement, July 1st, 2022. So that carries over to 2026, which they have one more four year lease that they can renew on July 1st, 2026. And that carries all the way through July 1st of 2030. So the White Sox and the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago are going to have to figure something out by 2029. Again, new stadiums take three to five years to work on. So in the next couple of years, this is going to be a a pretty pressing topic for the Chicago White Sox on what they are going to do, what their plans are as far as if they're going to stay in the current stadium and rework that deal with the state of Illinois or they build a new stadium in one of the empty parking lots that they got around in the neighborhood. What do you make of the progress for the race to stay in Tampa? Because this was an odd situation in which they were trying to split sharing home games with Tampa and Montreal and St. Petersburg was not having any of that. And then we find out that the lease for the race goes into 2027 and They're not really allowed to explore other homes until the lease uh, is over. So we know that the Rays are at least in St. Petersburg through 2027. But now Commissioner Rob Manfred is very hopeful that a new stadium built in downtown Tampa is going to happen. 
do you think a downtown stadium in Tampa will help attendance for the Rays? It certainly is what, you know, based on my understanding and, and the trips I've made to Tampa and St. Petersburg over the years. And, you know, I had friends who lived in St. Petersburg and their business was uh, two blocks away from Tropicana Field. So I loved the Tropicana Field location. Very convenient to me. Uh, you know, they knew the scalpers, you know, outside their building. So they, you know, easy to get tickets for nothing. I loved it for my purposes Hard to beat, but I, you know, when it comes to just the act of getting there, the act of going from the airport to St. Petersburg and you realize like, oh, this is the trip you have to make every day to try to go to see Rays games. Like not so much. So it, it would be the only way that Tampa makes sense. And when you see like the, you know, talking about the other markets, like the NHL and like just how, how big of a juggernaut the, the lightning are, you know, it's a case where like that has to be the place where they, they build it. If they're going to have a shot at ever having like success, long-term as a Tampa market. But, you know, that, that's why yeah, I circle back to the idea of the White Sox. Like, you know, will they leave? Will another owner move them? Like, they had every, you know, reason to just up and leave the Tampa Bay market based on the support, the how long it's taken for a stadium to develop there. And, and you know, there's not even like a tested, a tested and true idea that baseball and Tampa Bay can, Major League Baseball and Tampa Bay can work. You know, we don't know if that's just like a great market for spring training fans and everybody else is just content with the baseball that they have. Like, uh, whereas the White Sox drew 2 million for a terrible team this year. Uh, you like, so given that they're really still committed to building a stadium, finding a site anywhere in Tampa Bay, like they're only looking at expanding. They're not looking at like leaving markets unless, you know, it's like an Oakland situation where the, the, the stadium's falling in on itself that, uh, you know, it's just something that has to be done. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I would love to know what part of Tampa, as far as downtown, that they're looking to build a new stadium for the Rays. I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a retractable roof or maybe another domed stadium because of how much rain comes in into Tampa during the calendar year. It's a fascinating situation, and it's ever-changing for the Rays, but it sounds like Major League Baseball is more confident the Rays staying in the Tampa Bay area than the Athletics staying in Oakland. And then that leaves up to what are the two markets that Major League Baseball could possibly expand to. Montreal would make sense as far as an expansion team. Maybe in your backyard, Jim, in Nashville. There's Portland as well. Let's see if... Any progress is made during this offseason of Major League Baseball is looking forward to adding more teams to the league because the last time they added a team was the Diamondbacks. And it's been a while. It's been a while since Major League Baseball has expanded, Jim. Yeah. And you know, a lot of populations have moved. Yes. And uh, also, like, it's a case where, like, um, you know, Major League Baseball is coming off of peak attendance. Like, I think it's been, uh, it's been, ebbing for a couple of years now. So did they wait too long to expand? Like that's one thing I'm wondering about myself, but it could be a case where like, yeah, they just have to meet the population where that is and that will solve some of the attendance issues. Or maybe it is just a TV game now. Yeah, it could be the TV game. But then again, you have a whole regional sports network, the Bali sports that's drowning right now and looking for a buyer. And that's a whole nother issue that major league baseball has to work out. But those are the updates right now from the commissioner's office during the World Series. And speaking of the World Series, the World Series is now in Philadelphia. The series is tied one game apiece. The Phillies, a remarkable comeback, down 5 nothing in game one to storm back and win that game in extra 6-5 to five was amazing. 
And then the Astros jumped out early, beating up Aaron Nola with three straight doubles to start the game, and they ended up winning that game 5-2. to two. The weather in Philadelphia looks pretty good for the next three days. There's some chance of rain Tuesday morning, but something to keep an eye on, and hopefully we'll clear out before Tuesday evening's Game 4. The Game 3 starting pitchers will be Lance McCullers Jr. for the Astros against Noah Syndergaard for the Phillies. And then Game 4, the starting pitching for Houston is to be determined while be Ranger Suarez for the Phillies in Game 4. Jim, after two games, what are your thoughts about this World Series? I think it's kind of unfolding the way the records and uh, I guess the the way they've gone about their business the entire year would suggest that the Astros have been in control of both games and the Phillies were able to uh, wrestle control away from the Astros in game one. But, you know, the perhaps a more proactive Dusty Baker in game one prevents the Phillies from ever tying the game back up and the Astros remain in front. So that's a case where the, you know, Rob Thompson, I think, really did a great job of managing uh you know, getting Aaron Nola out before he absolutely had to, like he could have, you know, justified sticking with Nola, try to get through five, maybe even to the sixth, given that he settled in, but he managed the game very uh, aggressively and in a way that I think, you know, uh, surprised Dusty Baker a little bit. You know, maybe I wonder if Baker was thinking like, oh, he can kind of cruise to game one. They're not going to upset their pitching plans to try to steal this game. And I think he might've been surprised, but if the Astros were surprised, given the way they came out swinging in game two, it's like they were ready to just do it all over again, maybe be a little bit more on top of it. But Framber Valdez was, you know, excellent. So it's a case where like it is, you know, the, the Astros do look like the better team, but the Phillies um, just have that kind of uh, ability to have those crooked number innings that make it as long as like, if they can keep games within like three or four runs, it's hard to change the channel on them. That is true. And I misspoke. It was Zach Wheeler who got, who allowed three straight doubles in game two. Aaron Nola pitched game one, as Jim mentioned. And it's going to be interesting in the next couple of days. Noah Syndergaard, I keep forgetting that he's on the Phillies. And uh, Ranger Suarez has been really clutch for the Phillies in this postseason. And what I'm really looking forward to, especially later tonight on Monday night on Halloween, it's going to be a frenzy in Philly, Jim. During this postseason, it's been absolutely crazy in Philadelphia for the Phillies home games. The Padres had that monster win in game two of the NLCS, built up some confidence, hoping that let's get this series back to San Diego The series did not return back to San Diego just because of the way that the Phillies have played at home. I think the next three games, it's going to be tough for Houston. And I could see them, Jim, being down three games to two, going back to Houston for the weekend. It's possible. I mean, like they have played well. Uh, I do think the Astros maybe are a case where like given just how much vitriol They've absorbed over the last couple of years, perhaps they're the team that's best suited to go into an environment like Philly and not really care because um, they've heard it all from all sorts of teams over the years and they're used to being the villain anyway. So I don't know if Philly will have that kind of effect, but you know, as we talked about, you know, with unique home fans, like Philly should be uh, you know, frothing at the mouth for this game and also Halloween. Like I'm looking forward to the crowd shots. I'm looking forward to seeing like, what the crowd looks like and just, you know, what kind of impact that has. Like, I'm hoping it's not a, a, a start uh, to game three. doesn't like the start to a game two to where it's like three doubles, the crowd's immediately out of it. And then they have to try to, you know, hope for an inning that gets them back into it. I'm hoping at least you get some, 
even if it takes a while for the Phillies offense to get engaged, like I'm hoping at least it's like you know, locked in for three to four innings to allow the crowd to stay in it and see if they can, you know, make an impact on the game. A start like game two would just, you know, basically we we've seen that. Uh, yes, we, we saw that last year for the white Sox against the Astros, what that looks like when the crowd has to just try to like drag itself up to be invested in the game that everything says like, yeah, just pack it in. Yeah. Yeah, I I was there. Yeah, it was yep. it was not fun. It was not fun. But if Houston, I'm sorry, if Philadelphia can score first in Game Three, as you mentioned, Jimmy, keep that crowd into it. It's gonna make for great television. It's gonna make for great television. The the crowds in Philly have just been they've been hungry for this. They've been wanting this since 2009, and now they get this opportunity. And we'll see how the next three days go. But it's been a fun World Series so far. And I hope it continues to be a fun series between the Phillies and Astros. The Phillies have been a tougher test than I think a lot of people expected in this World Series. And uh, we'll see if this series gets back to Houston. I I think it will. But I could see Houston being down. And now they are going to have to win both games six and seven. And I wonder how Justin Verlander gets into this mix because he still hasn't won a world series game. He's over Jim. Yeah. It's been a sneaky over too. Maybe just cause his, his appearances have been spread out more. Whereas like Clayton Kershaw, his was a running storyline year after year. David price had that a little bit too, to where like he was, you know, especially markets that might dig into a player like, uh, you know, Boston and, you know, certain Los Angeles columnists and such just might, might be more sensitive to that than somebody like Justin Verlander pitching for Detroit and then Houston spread apart after years where people might forget just that the Tigers were even in the World Series uh, since it was that long ago. You know, maybe that's a case where he's hidden, but I was surprised just how how rocky that is, even though like I do remember the Giants won. Um, yes. When it was Bar- Barry Zito, I believe he lost to, like where they just yes. shelled him and, and uh, you know, that was a, a, a hell of a tone to set. And that, that flop I remember, but I didn't realize his record was 0 and 6. Like, I'm not used to seeing that about Justin Verlander. We're used to seeing the opposite, especially from the, uh, you know, watching the White Sox try to hit him. Yes. And with an ERA above six in his career during World Series games, I don't think they could pitch him at Philadelphia. Maybe they have to hold him back for Houston. I mean, technically, he's on schedule to start Game Five of this World Series. If it if it does get to Game Five, well, it's going to get to Game Five with the series tied one to one. I just unless the Phillies win Games Three and Four, and Dusty Baker's like Justin, I, I need you here to keep the season alive for us. I would that would not be a good situation for the Astros. I'm wondering if they should hold him back for Houston in Game Six and and pitch in the home ballpark and not pitch on the road because it just has not worked out very well for Justin Verlander. But then then again, it hasn't really worked out anywhere that he's pitched during the World Series, but it is something that caught my attention and has been pretty fascinating in his career. Hall of Fame career, terrible World Series track record. <laughs> just terrible. Yeah, that's not giving him a boost. The way like John Smoltz got a huge boost from his postseason experience. Kurt Schilling, were he not a... Uh, yeah, were he not self-imploding him uh, just, you know, with his uh, behavior, mm-hmm. like he would have been a Hall of Famer uh, by now based on his postseason credentials, or at least providing him a boost over the threshold. Uh, Verlander, yeah, he, he won't need the help and he wouldn't get it. That is true. That is very true. But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I hope you all enjoy the upcoming three 
games in the World Series. Again, it has been very entertaining. And if the White Sox do make any sort of announcement on who the next manager is going to be, obviously we will be covering that on SoxMachine.com. Also, don't forget, there's still plenty of time for you to submit your off-season plan projects like I did on Sunday morning. Go to SoxMachine.com to copy the template, fill it out, post your ideas as far as your creativity and what the White Sox could do in free agency and trades and help participate in the off-season plan project. So far, the early plans have been absolutely terrific. So thank you to everyone that has participated so far. But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoy our work at Sox Machine, think about helping support us at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, like the Sox Machine scarves, they're the first ones to receive them. Monthly plans start at $2. You can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. The Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all of Thane Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.